Welcome to the Defenders Podcast, the number one fan podcast for the Marvel Netflix series. I'm Claire. I'm Rada. Oh, shit. Oh, you forgot my <laughs> Guys, this is not looking too good. We have Robin <laughs> and Mel, but who cares about them? We have Dave here with us, and he's our special guest. Yay! I'm the special guest? I just thought I was like a regular guest. This is awesome. You're very special. All of our guests yeah. are Well, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for letting me crash the party. Absolutely. And you are here for our very first episode covering the show because Daredevil is out, guys! Yay! When a devil rises. (laughs) The devil is mine now. The devil is mine. What is your prior knowledge of uh, of Daredevil Dave? Of Daredevil Dave? Okay, uh, Daredevil Dave. Well, actually, that's funny. Daredevil Dave. Um, I'm, sure, I'm going to go by that for the rest of the episode now. Um, I think that's already licensed. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. We'll have to pay. I'll pay for it. Dave Devil. I'll be Claire Devil. It's fine. Dave Devil. Fucking cool. Fucking cool. All right. <laughs> um, I was never a Daredevil comic reader when I was in my comic years, but my neighbor, I had this neighbor who was an incredible artist. He could draw Spider-Man as if he were Todd McFarlane. And he he loved Daredevil. So he would tell me all about, you know, how awesome he was and how I really needed to check him out. And he was the first person to introduce me to the concept of the sonar that he could use to see with. Mm -hmm. So I uh, still, even after that endorsement, didn't buy the comics. But I did see the Ben Affleck travesty of a film (laughs) in the theaters, and I drove through like a crazy snowstorm to do it for some reason. I don't remember why. And um, so, yeah, I was kind of all like, oh, this could have been cool, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Um, So I kind of came into this just saying I'm going to go with blank slate. I'm going to act like I don't know anything. And I hadn't even seen, I think, beyond like a screen cap, any kind of trailer or anything for the show. Except that knowing that we were going to be having a podcast covering it, so I was kind of just trying to keep tabs on the info, not so much the visuals. So when I watched this, it was just like a fresh a fresh breath of air for Daredevil, and I'm just like blown away and stunned. So thank you again for having me on for this. Awesome. So uh, what's your rating then, and we can get out of it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm already at the A level. I'm not going to say like A plus because I'm sure the rest of the season is going to be incredible. But uh, A right now, it's going to be very hard to drop. Very hard to drop that. Unless we change your mind as we discuss it. <laughs> and then I'm like, what the hell? What the hell did I watch? Guys. That's so wrong. Ah. Well, I've got a few little bits of news before we go into it. So obviously the number one news is Daredevil is now out on Netflix. So you can watch it all. Um, and I just wanted to, to um, sort of mention in regards to that the um, the format of our show because we mentioned it in our first episode but we are an intro cast on this podcast and some people may not be aware of what that sort of format is so basically while Matt, Mel and Robin have only and Dave actually have only watched the first episode of Daredevil um, I am the resident sort of expert on the show and I'm probably the freshest expert that <laughs> exists for an intro cast because I've watched the entire series and I finished at 8 a.m. yesterday morning. Um, I've actually watched half the show again I'm since that then. On Facebook was awesome, by the way. <laughs> All your posts on Facebook. <laughs> like, it's like 5 a.m. going into episode 10. I'm like, yeah. that's a trooper award for you, man. Did you, trooper did award. you start hallucinating complete episodes that weren't there? <laughs> I didn't, but it was it was actually really cool because I was 
I I had the the uh, the curtains open while I was watching it, and the sun was rising while I was watching it, like to, towards sort of around the nine ten episode mark, and the birds started singing, and it's like the first time in probably about a couple of years that I've actually like watched the sunrise, which is really cool, and it felt it felt right watching Daredevil overnight when it was dark until the sun rose. It was kind of cool, but I started at six p.m. on Friday night, and I finished at eight ish on the morning and I did struggle towards the end where we hit about episode nine because I was getting very sleepy and I did think oh I'm gonna have to sleep and then I was like no daredevil wouldn't quit and neither will I damn it so I stayed up for the rest and then I was gonna go to bed but I went and got a fry up and went shopping instead and crawled into bed at 3 p.m. yesterday and slept for 16 wow. hours so yeah this I, was I, Claire's I was burning home. man this was Claire's Burning Man was the release of Daredevil on Netflix Claire slept longer than the series (laughs) (laughs) but it was a really cool way of doing it and I watched the first four episodes I think with uh, Vicky our previous guest on Skype and that was really cool as well like watching them with her and then she is uh, you know um, a lightweight and went to bed at 11 so (laughs) and I laughed in her face no Uh, dedication there exactly Uh, so some other news on your podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, some other news. The song, if anyone's seen the second trailer, I think it was, that was released for the show, it featured a song called Beautiful Crime, which I'd uh, mentioned, I think, before. Um, that song has now been released, and you can, it's by someone called Tamer, T-A-M-E-R, Beautiful Crime. Um, it's, it's a cool song, actually, um, so yeah, you can like download that. it now. Um, there's, it's been announced by Marvel there will be a new Ant-Man trailer on Monday, which is really cool, because Ant-Man's coming out in a, in a few months. Um, and with, with Marvel as well, the films, they're currently doing the Age of Ultron press tour, so there'll probably be lots of news on that and stuff. Um, I might post some bits and pieces on our Facebook group that if they're particularly interesting about the sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe in general and how it might link to the Defenders in the future. Is it going to be connected to anything, or is that just like a throwaway movie? They actually had, um, there was an interview today with Kevin Feige. I can't remember how he say his name. <laughs> Feige? Feige. Feige. Feige? Was it Feige? I can't remember. Um, and he actually said that Ant-Man, because a lot, it, it's a shame because obviously Avengers is coming out, and then the film, uh, the next, the first film of next year is Captain America Civil War, and a lot of people are really psyched for these films, but you have got Ant-Man in the middle, which is hmm. the end of Phase 2, and a lot of people are kind of like, oh yeah, and there's Ant-Man, whatever. But he said that it is, it is actually a very big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and ties to Age of Ultron and Captain America. Um, and we know from um, sort of script spoilers and things that there will be flashbacks to like the 60s and it will it will look back at kind of the history of, of the Avengers and, you know, and S.H.I.E.L.D. and that kind of thing. So I think it, it is definitely going to have some big ties and it's going to... I'm hoping it's going to be good. It's had a really troubled production, but I, I think the character's really cool, and I think it's a character that we haven't got anything like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the moment, so it's exciting. Man, I wish, I wish Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on Netflix so I could get the full Marvel picture. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you not a Marvel person? Are you, like, a DC person? Or no, just I, I'm, not I'm, comics? 
I'm both. I like both, okay. but I haven't seen Agents of Shield because I don't have I don't have cable. I only have Netflix. oh, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I wish it was on Netflix so I could like take in this entire story because I know they're all connected, right? Yeah. yeah how and much Agent are you missing Falcon out on? How much are you missing out on if you're not watching Agents of Shield? Because even though we podcast about it, I'm not really watching it either because I'm I'm kind of sticking to the movies in the cinematic universe, <laughs> except for Daredevil. Obviously, is pulling oh, yeah. me into the TV version too. <laughs> So far, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. only directly has tied in with Thor 2 in a very minor way. Um, It's tied in very directly with Captain America the Winter Soldier, which I think is the time when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was best. It started off quite Mm. slow in Season 1 and got really good by the end of Season 1, which was when it started tying in with the events going on in in Winter Soldier. And so far this season, it's... um, it's tying in more with uh, one of the future movies that hasn't come out yet, but the um, they're definitely expanding the Marvel Universe with the current series. I don't want to spoil anything, obviously. Um, gotcha. It's going in a direction that I'm not as interested in um, mm-hmm. because it, it's not the area of Marvel that interests me the most. The area of Marvel that interests me the most is the street-level characters, which is why I love Daredevil when I, I'm, I love the characters that will be in the Defenders because they're all street-level. When it gets too much out of that, I'm not as interested. So I'm not enjoying season two as much. But there is a character in it played by an actor very close to Matt and Mel's hearts. And I think they would enjoy it because of that. Mm-hmm. Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin, yeah. <laughs> I was like, do they know? Uh, yeah, they know. Yeah. They're like, we've seen the spoilers. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Enjoying, I'm enjoying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But, you know, after watching the first episode of Daredevil, I was like, yeah. this is the best Marvel TV production ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's starting to actually feel like, you know, when you were collecting comic books and you're like, all right, I'm going to collect this book and this book, but it's going to connect to a storyline that's in this other book, and I just don't want to get that book. I'm going to still read these other two and kind of just glean what I need to from the references they make, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of the way I feel like now Daredevil, I'm going to be like, yeah, obviously I'm going to watch this show and all the Defenders now, but I don't feel like I want to jump into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the same way this pulled me, and this is this was really well done. Well, let's let's get into the episode, and we can discuss it in full. I was trying to segue there for you. <laughs> it was very good. <laughs> Do you want a job? <laughs> I'm pretty busy right now, actually, <laughs> but thank you. So what we're going to do is... To <laughs> we're going to go for... Watch your back now. In, yeah. <laughs> Dave Devil's taking over. <laughs> oh no! Is Mel the Segway person on this one? I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be the uh, special guest from now on. Yeah. <laughs> you are a brand new person, so you know. Yeah. I, I just. I just shed my skin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like a snake. Oh. I have a brand new skin now, guys. Oh. My face. What's it like? Is it? Is it like? Uh, is it like shiny and new and covered in diamonds? Kind of squeaky. It's a little Ooh. squeaky. Wait, I thought that that part of the Marvel universe was uh, exclusive to Fox, right? Isn't that from the Wolverine? That chick who sheds her skin and oh, becomes yeah. a new person. No, I believe there's a lot of actually, actually there's a lot of Terrigen mist up in Canada. Sorry, there may be there may be some copyright issues if I don't know at all what we're talking about right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. But every geek out there is like, yeah, guys, this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the episode in sort of order. Um, I'm just going to give a brief description of what happens in each scene, and then if you guys want to, we'll just discuss it in in general. So uh, this is episode one, Into the Ring. This episode was written by Drew Goddard, who actually created the show. So even though Stephen DeKnight is 
the showrunner. Um, it was actually Drew Goddard who was the original showrunner, and then he had to leave to work on the Sinister Six movie, and Stephen DeKnight took over. Um, and this was directed by Phil Abraham. Um, the first scene, which we, the first scene we see is the little little Matt, little Matt Murdock. Uh, the aftermath of the accident in which he's blinded and uh, Jack Murdoch uh, finds him. And I'm not going to lie, guys, I saw this scene before I saw the first episode and it made me cry. Because <laughs> I think the, the, Jack, the guy who plays Jack I, is so good. So good in this scene. After seeing, after seeing him um, in a comic mm-hmm. and uh, in the movie, in the movie I, I didn't think this guy was big enough. Yeah, it's a oh. very different Jack Murdoch because he's he's very young as well, and he's not it, it, he doesn't look at all like what I have Jack Murdoch like in my head. I always imagine the guy from the movie pretty much, but mm. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he definitely pulled it off. I mean, um, really, honestly, as 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 the episode opened, and just I mean, there's a lot to be said about the cinematography of this show. Yeah, oh, yeah. and you know, I have it on my HD set, and I'm, I'm spoiled rotten that way, but also, <laughs> like, that HD, and then, like, it's still kind of, like, gritty, it, the cam is, you know, shaky to, mm-hmm. to communicate, this is something, this is like a, 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 something terrible is about to happen, you know, mm-hmm. like, what he, what Jack is walking into, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is so great to, to see on film, and seeing done so well, and, mm-hmm. uh, the I can't see just is chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we actually got to see the the moment where he like goes blind. Oh yeah, yeah. And, well, whereas in the, the movie it was from screaming. inside his eye, but he it, here he sees his dad as he goes blind, which oh it was yeah. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, and the scream is like haunting. It's yeah. after the after way after that scene, you're still hearing him scream. I can't see, and you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. That like, kid really took it to that level. Yeah, that little kid actor was really good. Mm-hmm. It was such but an interesting like- way to start it as well, because you'd be like, "Who are these guys?" You know, and what's happening? And it's I think it's such a cool way to go to start the entire show because it starts the character it gets you invested already in in matt as a character because the first thing we see him do is save someone is be a hero which is something that i previously uh-huh. mentioned i felt I was like- missing from the movie because you know he, yeah this is this is the comics this is him saving someone and he pays the price for it but yeah that's like, kind of what like the character this- is I like mm-hmm. this truncated uh, origin story. It's really, really short and to the point. And then, mm. but and I don't even think like for a complete noob. I guess mm-hmm. you'd have to be pretty dense. But mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you never. They never say Matt Murdock is Daredevil. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like at the end, he takes the mask off, and they're like, like oh. I, everyone, oh, it's you know. him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, it's so like I love how they respect the audience and you know respect our intelligence that we we can get. It, you know, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't actually even realize that until you just said it, man. I'm like, oh yeah, I just knew he was Daredevil the whole friggin' time. But wow, like no one else did it. Like does Foggy know? Foggy doesn't know, right? You yeah, know, we, like, don't, we don't have like an old training montage of him like becoming Daredevil. Like something yeah. nothing happened to make him like take his costume and stuff. He just is he's Daredevil. Not, he's not Daredevil yet, anyways. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. he's the man in black. He's Johnny Cash. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I've been I've been spoiled already by the Netflix splash page. Uh, oh. Costume spoilers. Oh, was that his final Gosh. costume? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't they, seen it yet. <laughs> they they did. It actually did get leaked the day before um, the show hit, and um, so yeah. a lot of people saw it then. But then 
um, Marvel kind of got on top of it quite quickly and released a, a trailer, a, a motion poster that featured the um, the costume, the final costume. I did put it on our Facebook page, you know, if anyone wanted to click on it, you didn't mind being spoiled. But then one of our um, listeners actually told me that as soon as you click on Facebook, because um, I did it on my phone, but if you do it on the, the website, it plays automatically, so you'd have to pause it really quickly to not be spoiled, so I took it down again. But, um, yeah, now they just seem to be posting it everywhere, because I figure most people have yeah. they've seen it, but obviously not on UVs. No way, man. I'm I'm avoiding that like the plague. I, I've oh. unliked everything. I don't even... I hardly check our page anymore. <laughs> I'm like, not interested. I don't know. If, if, you're, if your Netflix is the same as ours, like, when next time you go to watch Daredevil, when you scroll to it on your list or whatever, yeah, it's, it's going to be the, picture the costume yeah. right there. I will yeah, say, though, picture, the picture that picture. they have of the costume is... It's still going to be an awesome reveal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> I hope there's, like, giant horns. <laughs> I mean, what isn't... I mean, I know we're not there yet, but just the title sequence kind of implies some of what his look is going to be like when mm-hmm. he gets his final costume as well. Like, that whole really cool, liquid, dripping, informing animation. Oh, we'll talk about that in a minute, Dave. You're skipping ahead. <laughs> I know, I'm taking your job for <laughs> <I know. laughs> You mean giant Tim Curry in Legend Horns? Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. Flashback for all the kids out there. You might want to IMDB that one. Oh, everybody's seen that. Come on. I don't know, man. You'd be surprised. Starting a legend intro, intro cast. <laughs> <laughs> legend, Robin's like, we've covered legend, it. and now we're going to cover it again. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so after that scene, we um, we get straight to uh, we cut straight to someone who, if you were a newbie, you would assume is is Matt in church. You don't realize in, in confessional, you don't really realize that he's blind until sort of later on. I think when he goes to put the glasses back back on. Um, what did you guys think about this scene? We get introduced to the priest um, who is Father Lantum, which more on that later. Um, that's what he's credited as. But what yeah, do you guys think? <laughs> I'm allowed to. I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm trying not to. Re- I'm trying to resist just being the first person to answer every single time. But <laughs> Charlie Cox just yeah. completely sells me in the scene. And you know what? The way he talks about his father, I'm immediately connected to that six-year-old boy we just saw. Like I could see that little boy grew nine up. Nine years this. old. <laughs> Ah, excuse me, nine years old. <laughs> right. yeah. That kid's probably pissed at me, like, I'm not six. Damn it. <laughs> this is the only podcast out there. You guys are screwed it up. <laughs> Absolutely. I nine think year old in him. He, he's like, he, apart from obviously that, that opening scene, the whole show starts with Charlie Cox doing this almost like five minute monologue and, and just completely sells it and is fantastic. And I, I think his performance in this episode, obviously it might not be in the later episodes, but it is, is is amazing throughout. And I think I, I read a review that said he's one of these actors now playing a superhero role like Christopher Reeve as Superman, like Chris Evans as um, Captain America and like um, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, where they they just are Daredevil. They are Matt Murdock now. And I kind of agree. It's he, he nails it completely. Would you? I mean, I, I don't know. If I, at first, I thought the way he was delivering his lines, I was like, "Is this going to be a little forced feeling? Like this sort of, I'm so put together and everything's always okay, no matter what." But about ten minutes later, I was like, "Yeah, this is going to be awesome." Just listening to this guy, almost like with his hypnotic quality of being able to describe his life, it was, it was artfully done as well as being deep for the character. You know. Mm-hmm. 
What did you guys think about him doing the reveal that he's gone there, obviously for confession, but it's not for anything he's done, it's for what he's about to do? Weirdly. I was trying to say something. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. I didn't like this, that scene. Oh, you didn't? How come? It was like an exposition confession box. <laughs> and it did, feel, it did feel forced to me. Like what Dave said, it did feel forced to me. Like it okay. just, I don't like forced exposition. Mm-hmm. It just, it just takes me right out of the show. And I just kind of, I just zoned out. I was like, yeah, I can't listen to you right now. <laughs> I didn't find it particularly, I didn't find it particularly thrilling either. I thought it maybe was a bit, okay. I don't know, a bit, a bit long and a little bit slow. I, I don't know. I felt like it could have been done differently, maybe. I, I, maybe it's just I've never liked confession scenes in anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's the atheist yeah. in you was like shrieking at the at <laughs> watching a church. You're like, <laughs> no, it's, it's not the principle of it or anything. It's just I, I don't know. I've never been compelled by confession scenes. It's with what Mel said. It's one of the things that because I've read a lot of reviews of the show in the last sort of few days. And one of the, um, if there's a, a, a review that, that brings up anything negative, a lot of people have said there's too much talking or like, just like slow, slow scenes where it's just characters discussing stuff, which I actually was quite excited to hear because I, I like, I like having moments with characters and learning who they are. Um, so that's something I was kind of looking forward to and I enjoyed, um, rather than it just be kind of action, 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 you know. Um, but that narration. seems to be, yeah, it's, it yeah. seems to be the thing that people have brought up if they don't like that so much as a, a negative. Um, yeah. Which is in, well, it's some, interesting. Sometimes you need that, though. I mean, like, there's just, like, by the nature of the way the story is, you're going to need <laughs> these moments where someone's like, you know, okay, the audience, we all don't have the benefit of having grown up with this guy the way Foggy does. So, yeah, it might be a little weird that they're having this conversation that would start like, hey, remember when we did this? Like, yeah, dude, I'm not going to fucking forget. We know each other. That's yeah. how life goes. It's okay. But we weren't there, so we need that little glimpse sometimes. But I was more thinking that it was him, you know, trying to do a fake accent or something. It was more the way he was delivering his dialogue that I was kind of like, is he really kind of forcing him? But it does call up, like, how did he go from this panicking, freaking out kid who just lost his sight to this really calm, collected, and can almost strategically look at everything in his life in every moment, you know? Like, I would like to see how he bridges those two, so okay. I was kind of pulled in. in the <laughs> so, you know, they don't, they don't exactly, he doesn't say anything about how, like, he, he, he kind of cuts himself off when he's talking about his, about his father, like, before, mm-hmm. like, he had a record before he just yeah. kind of trails off, and then you see the tears kind of coming a little bit more as, you know, he's discussing how his father had this, uh, had this ability to turn into this, like, cold predator. The devil and inside him. Yeah, and then he's feeling, like, it's almost like he's feeling like that that's about to happen for him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I, I, it's hard to, I really like hearing him talk about that rather than watching him be completely violent and being like, what, what, why is he, why is mm-hmm. he lashing out like this? Mm. Maybe I just didn't like the placement. Maybe I just didn't like the placement of this scene, like having a confession before we've seen him do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can get. I I think like with the next the next scene, uh, because the next scene we we go to the pier where um it's his first fight, and I think if we'd had that scene before the confessional, it would have you wouldn't have got maybe that that was him if you were a newbie. Whereas in the confessional scene, he's talking about having the devil in him and everything, and he's going to go out and do this thing. 
um, mm. I and think also, it kind of I mean, helps, and you kind of understand it more. Although I think by the end of that scene, I mean, he really gives Turk a brutal beating. It's like, yeah, nice. I thought he was going to kill the guy. I was yeah, like, oh, he's killing yeah. somebody in the first episode. Yeah, oh, that, was, that was that was Turk. <laughs> that was Turk. Yeah. So I should say, um, we do find out in the, in a further episode, but I will say then that that is Turk who. As well as Daredevil and um, and Kingpin is the only character to have been brought up in both films that we've seen before. So yeah, he's uh, he's in this as well. Yeah, they call him Barrett later in the episode. But yeah. I just had one last final thing to talk about that confession scene. But just saying, <laughs> but just saying, like that confession scene would be nowhere near as compelling if it was after the fight True. because it's more compelling to hear a character say forgive me for what I'm about to do mm-hmm. than to say, oh, I really screwed up. <laughs> you know? to, be, to be completely, uh, from a technical perspective, this scene did ring a little remembrance of Batman Begins for me, so mm-hmm. I kind of feel like there would have been an immediate, like, oh, look, from the, right out the gate, they're trying to go from, you know, childhood flashback to now he's Batman. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of having to balance how some of these stories that have very similar elements are told to be presented in a unique way and not have to immediately be compared to each other in every, you know, frame by frame. So I kind of feel like it worked for the pacing, and I didn't really mind it because you always have to think this is also a blind guy doing all this chasing Mm. porn shit that we're watching. Wow, (laughs) you know. My favorite bit of the scene (laughs) on the pier <clears throat> uh, where he basically rescues these women who are going to be sold for a thousand dollars a head is the guy eating chips and watching <laughs> because he and I had a reason that, that Mel would find this amusing as well because he's just sitting there watching even when like Daredevil attacks and everything he's just sitting eating his chips until Daredevil like uh, oh, I shouldn't even call him Daredevil I'll call him Matt Murdock because he's not Daredevil at this point but when Matt like throws the um they like take the thing at him and knocks him into the water. He's still just sitting there eating his chips. It's so hilarious. <laughs> if I'm going to join a criminal organization, I want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the show up and eat your sandwich guy. Yeah, yeah. He's just so keeping an eye throws, on things. So someone throws a blunt object at your throat. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my chip. But man, yeah, this opening fight thing, like the whole premise with the like selling women into slavery or whatever i mean that's really dark that's, yeah that's yeah. that was some real shit right there you're like oh god this makes me feel dirty already and it didn't look like they were trans it didn't look like they were transients or anything it looked like they had been like clubbing and they, yes! like, <laughs> they had been just like stolen away to here like oh hey come on let's go to this other party get in my limo and fuck you white slavery right now yeah. <laughs> what makes it so exciting at the moment to be a marvel fan particularly of like the cinematic universe is Stuff like this, this dark, is in the same universe as a talking tree and raccoon. And that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, every every universe has their taken side, right? Like everyone's yeah. got like, oh yeah, we could go down to the low rent section where they have all the taken chicks, but I don't know if you want to go there, man. We don't have any money, let's go down there. But I actually go. saw I actually saw a tweet like today, it was just like, just remember during Daredevil's most intense scenes, just think somewhere out in space a talking tree is dancing to Michael Jackson. Yeah. oh i love it um so then we go into the opening credits um i i love the music it's by john paseno i think you say his name um i I just think these credits are gorgeous and i was talking with vicky about this when we were watching them and i kind of wonder if um 
they're going to carry on this very kind of simple theme with the opening credits for the next three shows because that would be really cool where they've just got like the colour scheme. So maybe with Jessica Jones, they'll have a purple colour scheme. And then Luke Cage, you could have yellow and Iron Fist, maybe green, because I think it's so effective with just the way they did it. And but well, obviously with Daredevil, they have like the blood trading down. It kind of looks like the opening credits to Hannibal a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they ripped off Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I uh, mean, my, my note on this is like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like almost like an artistic expression, like this entire city, because of what happened, because of the quote-unquote, the incident, mm-hmm. oh the my entire God. city is being rebuilt with blood. And yeah. at the end, oh my God, Rob. blood born, <laughs> blood uh, beca- you know bears uh, Daredevil in the yeah. that you know now Daredevil's here. So it's and one of the, the cool da- things the devil like in his blood too. You know, yeah, for instance, the confession. Well, also there's an upcoming episode called In the Blood, I think. So there we go. I also <laughs> like the idea that it seemed like it was pouring over some kind of mold that you just couldn't see, like yeah. it was always there, kind of thing. You know, yeah, it's really the whole art direction was just really well done and the iconography and if they do that same style for all the other series it's almost like they're creating the mold for all the possible expansions of the cinematic universes both for Marvel and DC using Mm -hmm. things like Netflix and Hulu and whatever else is going to come up that we don't know about yet one of the Reminds things you that it's um, episode you haven't seen yet, Claire. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, one with what you were saying a minute ago, Robin, like with the um, uh, like the city being built up from scratch, and we were saying about you know the Marvel universe. It, um, someone mentioned it the other day, which I think is really cool. Which if I mean, I'm assuming you guys have seen the trailer for Avengers: Age of Ultron where you have, like, the scene where they're, they're sitting in, in Avengers Tower. You've got the Avengers, and they're all sitting up there, like, having drinks and celebrating and being like, hey, we beat the bad guy. And I love the fact that that could be going on as this show is happening. Yeah. Um, you know, so in they're Hell's up Kitchen, there. They're down, up yeah. there, but in Hell's Kitchen, like, down on the streets, is is the stuff that happened because of that, is the stuff that's left behind, that they, that the Avengers, they don't have time for because they're off fighting these, these huge, like, um, you know, villains and things and these you know and everything like that but no one's dealing with the 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 human trafficking you know um that's going on on the streets of hell's kitchen and that's why these characters have to emerge like the defenders have to emerge i love that i love that it takes place in the same universe there's, there should Try be somebody from S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, <laughs> some kind of lower than Samuel L. Jackson, lower than Nick Fury, who's going on going, all right, let's make sure nobody's taking business advantage of the fact that we had this giant catastrophe in New York, because <laughs> there's an awful lot of shady dealings going on with some of these contracts, guys, you know, and I took it, like, as a huge referendum on, like, the post-9-11, like, all kinds yeah, okay. of controversy yeah. about, like, contractors, like, stealing rubble and stealing the steel and trying to sell it back to rebuild, like, all kinds of crazy stuff that you heard coming out of New York. Yeah. That time, yeah. No, don't say too much. Yeah. So the next scene, we get uh, Matt waking up. We get the first shirtless uh, Charlie Cox. Um, spoilers, that will happen a lot. <laughs> and I kind of squeed a lot at this scene because, as I've mentioned before, for years and years and years and years and years and years going back, over ten years, my fan choice to play Foggy Nelson was Eldon Henson. Um, from around the time he was in, like, Freak the Mighty, I think was the film, I've wanted this guy to play Foggy Nelson, and I absolutely love him as Foggy. I love him. <laughs> but when you pictured him, did he have this hair? 
Um, I've never really, I, I don't know if I've seen him with anything with really short hair, but I think it's quite, I don't know, I think it suits him. And Have you again, seen no Idle Hands? In the show. Yes, Idle Hands. <laughs> I'm not um, crawling for all this Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you guys think? Because this is our first, uh, obviously, scene with Foggy and Matt, and we have a bit of, uh, you know, going back and forth between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I don't know, his hair's weird, but I guess it's, <laughs> it's I guess it's, uh... It's good that they didn't do the expected lawyer hair, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a huge problem with him. I just, I was struck by that, that choice. By his, his, yeah, his kind of yeah. Well. I like his acting. His acting's fine. Look out for his hair later on in the season. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> so many spoilers. <laughs> Robin, I might leave, guys. I might leave. <laughs> yes, he gets pink hair later. Uh, no. <laughs> Likes to experiment. <laughs> I was like, Damn it! I'm serious. I'm out of here. I mean, as a as a, as a person that's uh, had to explain away many many things, uh, <laughs> I would have to say his hair. Um, he's a new lawyer. He's a brand new baby lawyer. He's he, he doesn't have the lawyer hair yet. He's getting fresh he's hair. Lawyer. Is he the bash to Matt Murdock's Franklin? What's going on I don't know on which here? one's Franklin and which one's bash. Uh, me sure. neither. <laughs> Well, Franklin is obviously foggy, well, right? Well, foggy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the next scene, um, fo- well, foggy jokes about bribing a cop, and then he's like, no, I really am going to go and bribe a cop, which is... This is for the NSA left. who's listening, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I just realized how, how well Franklin and Bash works, because Franklin <laughs> is foggy, and Matt bashes people. And gets <laughs> bashed. <laughs> I thought you'd put that together. <laughs> uh, this is Officer Brett Mahoney. Uh, Vicky and I referred to him as Grumpy Cop until we realized his name because he's kind of grumpy. But uh, he and Foggy have known each other since they were four. And, and Foggy bribes him by giving him cigars for his mum, which is awesome. It's a free country. Exactly. Um, then the next- live all of us. You know, it's funny. With comic book shows and movies, there's a lot of liberties taken with what real life is like. But here they're actually showing you might have to deal with somebody you really don't like and not, have not liked since you were four, but you've got to find some way to make it work. That's pretty damn real. You know, I don't know if they'd be able to pay their rent if they didn't have any clients and shit like that. But this this whole little interaction is kind of a nice little touch of real life in the comic book world. I really don't like Matt and I podcast with him every week, so. Uh, oh, damn. <laughs> mm, I don't sorry, like it either. <laughs> <laughs> we love you really, Matt. No, I, I, I really don't. <laughs> Next scene, we're in the real estate office, um, and Susan is there uh, showing them sort of around, and we get the first instance of Matt Murdock <laughs> being a player player. Matt <laughs> Murdock, hot chick murder. How you yeah, doing? and Foggy just rolls his eyes and is like, oh. See, Foggy should be waiting for all of Matt's overflow. That's what should be happening. They should all just be careening off legends. Matt onto them. But that's the best he's gonna get. You know what I mean? Like, so you gotta just play the situation as it falls. It's a hug. <laughs> I think that's too. I think this whole relationship is too cliche with the the guy who's not quite as attractive, just being always jealous. Like, I hope at some point Foggy gets the girl. <laughs> yeah, but it's gonna be like it's gonna be like he's gonna end up being surprised. It's gonna be happening in a cliche way. Oh. Yeah. Like, they'll both reach for the same magazine at the newsstand, and she'll be way too hot for him, but somehow, like, that she'll get moved by his quirkiness. That, something like that. Or it'll be, like, a really awkward girl who's, like, super pretty, but she's really awkward, and <laughs> she'll, like, 
You know, oh, yeah. He'll get the hot nerd. Yeah. He'll still like his pink hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is ask a girl if she's got any honey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in, in this scene, I love the fact that we have all this building noise in the background because they talk about the fact that the office is going for super cheap and because of the incident, which is obviously the attack on New York in the Avengers. And some fans have, I don't think they say it in the show, but some fans have theorized that this takes place about 18 months after the Avengers, which would make it pre-Captain America Winter Soldier. Okay, that's weird. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be a whole hell of a lot more government contracts to get shadily bought later. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I do wonder how this timeline works because, you know, with Netflix dropping the series all at once, you kind of lose, like, okay, so where actually does this fit between mm-hmm. the movies or does it overlap another movie? Mm-hmm. I almost wonder know. if it's all going to be handled in this very vague way, though. Like, we just say the incident. They don't say, you know, the portal that opened up over the sky and the monsters <laughs> that came flying out and the Hulk was smashing shit. You know, it was like, they're very kind of just throwing it out there going, hey, if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, it's fine, we'll just keep going. <laughs> um, in the, uh, they basically sort of say that they want a client, and in our next scene, we meet that client, which is Karen waking up. This is quite an entrance, covered in blood, yeah. over a dead guy, yeah. and it's like, oh, and as Vicky said, why are you so worried? You are a vampire. As you say, so she's, she's true in blood, true blood, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is a great unrated Netflix entrance, too. It's like, yep, we're in an adult series right now. Yeah, and obviously the only um, the only sort of exposure our, our two of our newbies like Matt and Mel have had to Karen Page is Ellen Pompeo in the director's cut of the Daredevil movie in 2003, in which she barely did anything. So I'm interested to see what you guys think of her character as the series goes on. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, so far, I like so her far, a lot my favorite too. character. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. And she was she was pretty smart because if you're going to get arrested for something you didn't do and there's like no choice, all you want to have them to be able to use against you is I didn't do this yeah. I didn't do this this is not me I did not do this can you imagine them in court like well she was saying I didn't do this but we really don't believe her she was covered in blood well mm-hmm. she was saying she didn't do it it's the only thing you can use against her smart yeah. <laughs> um, in the next scene Matt and Foggy are unpacking in the office and this is when Brett Brett calls uh, Foggy to say that there's been this murder investigation and Matt is listening um, so they go and visit Karen I love this scene in the, yes. in the mm. I love it. It's it has one of my quotes in it. <laughs> um, I do. Tell <laughs> like that she's been crying actual tears. Yeah, her eyes are red. Lips are really bright red. Like you know, it's just you can. She's very puffy. She's very puffy. <laughs> she knows she's been acting her heart and soul. Yeah, and I I really like that. And I just I just really like her character. And seriously, got to call out the actress Deborah Ann Wall. She's yeah, really she's good in this pilot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, with the with with the Matt Murdock's heart heart reading thing, mm-hmm. uh, do, what do you guys think of that? Like, I I don't know if that would work because like I can see somebody getting worked up even if they're telling the truth and like yeah. getting heart rate going up. Especially if they woke up over a dead body with a knife in their hand, that's kind of like gonna screw you up no matter what, no matter if it's yeah. a day later or twelve hours later, you're fucked for a while. You know yeah. you'll be panicky. It's it's hard because obviously in real life, I, this this wouldn't work. But it's I think the way they introduce it in the pilot is is a good way of doing it, where they have it early on that he knows that she's telling the truth because the heartbeat is steady, so the audience realizes that, and then later on he knows she's lying because the heartbeat speeds up 
I, in reality, there's no way it would work. Because also, like in the Daredevil movie, the guy's got a pacemaker. His heart doesn't change. If someone had a medical condition, they could have an erratic heartbeat. You know, there's so many things that it, it wouldn't work, but... I do say it, looked, show, it, does. <laughs> it worked better than CG sonar for me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like, to make an immediate comparison to my only other real exposure to it, I was like, <laughs> I kind of like this way better, you know? I like that you can see the reflection of her in his sunglasses as well, both times that they do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Don't they yeah. also do something kind of like, like where the edges of the screen get a little blurry mm-hmm. when he's listening to stuff? So it's almost like he put the ring on and he's walking around Middle Earth <laughs> like, in this like slightly other dimension. <laughs> <laughs> Sauron's like, I see you, Daredevil. <laughs> um, and then, the, you know, the, the, the score, it, it, you, you get a lot of, like, pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter mm-hmm. in the score, but, like, in, in when he's listening, it's kind of like a whoop 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 like, in the background. Like, like a what, Robin? It, <laughs> like a whoop 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 like, it's not exactly like Aquaman communicating with dolphins and super friends, but it's more subtle than that, but, you know, if you it's listen... It's the man from another place talking over the phone lines in Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in the next scene, Wesley, we get the introduction of Wesley, uh, and he meets Mr. Farnham, he's called Farnham. Uh, one of my notes for this scene is, I love, one of the things I love so far about the show, and it's kind of highlighted in this scene, is you can tell this was filmed in New York. And it's highlighted yes. to me in this scene because you have the checkerboard, like, concrete tables that always make me think of New York. I don't know why. It's just, we, it feels very, because you have them in Central Park and stuff. I, I was actually walking around the city yesterday with <laughs> David Vox Mullen, and in Washington Square Park, there are chess table hustlers who are, like, trying to get you to come play them. Like, there's a guy, this old, like, mafia-looking guy in a tracksuit <laughs> with a giant gold chain, and they go, come on, come on, just play the game, just come on over here, come play the game. We're like... You're shitting me, dude. You're shitting me. Really? And he's got, like, a digital stop clocks on the side. I'm just like, yeah, we just keep walking. But, yeah, definitely really authentic New York feel to all of the exterior shots in this. Love it. Um, And that helped, I mean, being from the area, that definitely helped me feel immersed in the show as well. But for anyone who's not from the area, feel, rest assured, this is pretty true to life. (laughs) This is what it's like on the streets, yo. So when they were talking talking about the incident in New York, they are talking about Avengers, right? Yeah, the Avengers. Okay, yeah, it's okay. I thought they were talking about 9-11. (laughs) We're going really dark. Really, really dark. Well, you know, I was actually thinking about that, too, but, you know, I was like, did they specifically call it the Avengers, and they specifically separate it from New York, but they they did say something about, like, death and destruction raining from the skies. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, I don't know, I almost almost thought they... It could be interpreted that way if you were familiar. Yeah. But well, I think that's I. I think it's all. All of these things are sort of a post nine eleven. You know, we would never really have it described this way if nine eleven hadn't happened. You know, and it's almost in an interesting way that we kind of for this story to be told this way, we needed something like that to be in our reference, you know, as dark as that might be. But uh, it, it's interesting that you immediately thought it was 9-11, Mal, because mm-hmm. I, I was watching going, they are, they are kind of skirting the line a little bit with this. I can see some people might even be a little ticked off or offended by it in some ways, but chill out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also the scenario that, the con- you know, allied construction is, uh, Union allied construction is rebuilding, like, a lot of Hell's Kitchen, and then you're like, okay, well, maybe, yeah. maybe there wasn't, 
you know, th- this is we're talking about destruction on a really massive scale now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. Well, the trope used to just be that the developer was so greedy they wanted to just move into a neighborhood and gentrify it for no reason. Now you actually had look, there's like seriously billions of dollars worth of destruction. I mean, anybody who actually saw the end of the Avengers movies going, they're never going to be able to rebuild all that shit. Yeah. And now they're kind of like talking about it. Yeah, we're we're working on rebuilding it. It's kind mm-hmm. of a big deal. Well, they're lucky <laughs> Superman wasn't in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one of the, the whole thing with like the the exterior shots of New York is one of my nitpicks for the series as a whole and this isn't really a spoiler but when we have the panning shots of like the New York skyline we don't see the Avengers Tower because obviously you uh-huh. would because it would show up on the skyline skyline people have um, commented to Stephen Denight about this and he's basically just said it's out of my pay grade because obviously yeah. they are filming in New York it's not like they're using the same stock footage over and over again they, they can film the skyline like however many times they want like filming from like Brooklyn or somewhere like that but it would cost a lot of money to CGI, CGI it in every time. So that's mm-hmm. one thing you won't see is you won't see the Avengers Tower, which is a shame because it would kind of tie in a bit more, but you just have to imagine that it is there. Let's just I pretend would... that it's got an invisibility cloak. Yeah! Tony Stark There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this scene you started uh, ten minutes ago, I, I love the fact that they mentioned Rigoletto, and I think this mm. is super creepy. Rigoletto as well, obviously, was in The Man Without Fear that we read. Yeah. Which is cool. He was the Kingpin's predecessor. And when, so you liked it when uh, Mr. Rance uh, waved at the camera? No, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) But I liked it as in, like, ooh. (laughs) But I didn't like it for poor Mr. Farnham there. (laughs) And Wesley is extremely creepy in his calmness. Did they say the name Wesley in this episode at all? I don't think they did. I don't think they did, but uh, that is Wesley. That's not a I didn't didn't know. Now, did you guys feel like his delivery, like he almost sounded too similar to the way Matt Murdock speaks when he's not in his costume fighting crime? Because that was something for me. I'm like, is this the same guy? What's going on here? I thought there was a sort of... Out of the actors, the two of those are the two non-Americans. Because he's Australian, hmm. and obviously Charlie Cox is English. So maybe it's I did, part of the way I didn't, get, Wilson. I didn't get confused because he was doing clearly evil things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, but I, I felt like performance-wise, somehow I'm like, they kind of really are striking the same note with the way they're both this, like, cool, calculated. Like, even when things are coming, he's like, uh, I'm dealing with it. It's fine. You know, he's answering his boss like, we don't say his name. It's fine. You know, I, I just thought there was something interesting in the parallel there. Also, best live stream ever. Yes. <laughs> no lag at all. He would be all. far less like intimidating if he's like, hang on a second, oh, it's buffering. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> That's the Saturday Night Live version right there. You know? It's like, hold on, hold on. I swear to God, we have your daughter and we're watching her, and uh, I should be Mr. able to. Rance to the call. <laughs> I should be showing it to you right now. I don't know why this is happening. Oh damn! Like I wish, I wish Skype worked this well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't jinx it! Don't jinx it, Mel. <laughs> it's always the criminal enterprises that have the advanced internet somehow. Yeah. That's true. That's why it's so slow for us. It's because they yeah. get away. The Illuminati. <laughs> the Illuminati. <laughs> I actually live like just down the road from like a crime syndicate, so I think they're. The big famous crime syndicate of Norberton in Surrey. <laughs> Um, so we get a quick scene of Matt and Foggy in the office, and they sort of discuss, uh, Matt's suspicious of the fact that Karen hasn't been charged, even though they have tons of evidence. 
I mean, we go back to the case again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I have to say about the show is that, um, well, among among many apparently, uh, is that this case is uh, it's it's more complex. It's not like just your regular um, uh, procedural murder case. It's this is uh, th- there's levels to this. It, mm-hmm. it's, and and the fact that Karen is not just this uh, this uh, wilting flower. She's she's also trying to stay ahead of this whole this whole conspiracy too yeah it felt very much like this was the first half of a movie right like it was on that level of complexity that we could be watching this movie in the theater if there was another 30 or 90 minutes to it you know i, just I will say that i just love when we we have a you know you're watching a, a show about a case and they kind of flip it in the middle and make it like when matt says why hasn't she been charged yet mm-hmm. and i was like yeah, yeah. and, and then then as well. well, a lot of people have said that, um, I mean, the next episode, episode two, is also written by Drew Goddard and directed by Phil Abraham, so they have a very similar feel, and a lot of um, people have said they can be watched back-to-back, you know, like, they do really follow up from each other, so it could be seen, you could kind of watch it almost as a, a movie, I would say. Yeah. I like how much, I like how much lawyering there was in this episode. Yes. We never stepped, we never stepped foot in the courtroom. Yeah. I love the. I love. The, I mean, any scene where it's Matt and Foggy, they are my like number one fictional bromance. I love them together. So any scene where it's the two of them, I'm so happy. So yeah. Um, when we get the next scene, it's Karen in a, in her cell getting stro- strangled by Farnham. So obviously we realise yeah. that's the favour that Wesley approached him about. And this was pretty intense when she screams at the yeah. end. It's like whoa. Yeah. I thought for sure she was, like like again not knowing what was going to be happening from not being as familiar with the story I thought for sure I'm like wow they're they're killing this chick this is like every time that I thought someone was gonna die I'm like I can't believe they're going this far Netflix man just unleash yeah. unleash the beast man and then she does her Game of Thrones move almost of just ripping yeah. his eye out I was like yeah. damn I mean, this is not only Netflix this is Marvel which is owned by Disney like yeah. wow <laughs> just goes um, to show Disney's run by the devil yo yeah. I'm really I'm really I was very impressed that she saved herself yeah, yeah. yes which I think was important because in the comics, Karen is often the, you know, to use a kind of uh, trope term, the woman in the refrigerator, you know, and um, and the sort of victim. And I like, again, that, yeah, she saves herself and she is shown in this episode to be resourceful, um, you know. And she does need saving, obviously, later when she's attacked, but it's not, she's not just the, the damsel in distress. So I think that's important. Um, in the next scene, uh, Matt and Foggy are back at the police station talking to two officers. These officers are Detective Hoffman and Detective Blake. Detective mm. Hoffman is the older um, black gentleman, and Detective Blake is the younger white gentleman. So, just Ugh. to let you know. Um, <laughs> that scene's got one of my <laughs> favorite lines in it. <laughs> oh, save it for quotes. And, yeah, uh, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. I love that they use their brains. Like, so far, like, I, I love this. One of the things I love about the character is that he will use his fists, um, but he will also use his brain to solve situations. And, like, him and Foggy here... They use their brains and they use the law to get Karen out because they're like, you haven't charged her. You you should have charged her four hours ago. So release my client. I love it. There's also very man without fear in this too because the detectives were trying to be very intimidating and he's just like, ah, just go get my client out right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, exactly. I, I, that's that's when I was no longer like having any issue with his delivery. I'm like, oh, this is why he talks like that. He's just <laughs> like doesn't care. He's like so mm. confident. It's awesome. Um, Karen, Matt. 
and Foggy go back to the office. Foggy steals some tea from next door, which is great. And then we find some more out about the um, the sort of case that the fact that that um, Karen found evidence of uh, money laundering and uh, went to one of her colleagues about it and believed she was drugged at the bar and then the guy was killed. So people are obviously watching her. Um, I my favourite bit of the scene because I me and Vicky were actually predicting it. I was like. Matt's going to say, come and stay with me. Matt's going to say, come and stay with me. And then he's like, hey, you can come and stay with me. And I was like, oh, Matt, you are <laughs> such a player. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. <laughs> but it was funny because he was like, I'll keep no, I'll keep you safe. And it's I could see it in her eyes. Nobody questioned it. Yeah, nobody questioned it. <laughs> but I could see in her, her eyes. She was like, no offense, but you're blind. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Which is why it's great in the in the previous scene as well when like Detective Blake was like I don't care if you're blind I kick your ass and then you just saw like Matt kind of smirk because he's just like yeah I'd like to see you try you know no pun intended and but, you took yeah. my line. Yeah. <laughs> oh I'm sorry <laughs> it's, I knew it was gonna happen I'm like yeah it's gonna go it's fine this this, um, this part this this conversation mm-hmm. though it like really makes me want to like theorize but I'll instead of theorizing I'll just like say like you can theorize she she says that she said that she got this pension master file emailed to her and she's like oh this is probably an accident emailed to her it, boss it, oh, it no, was it was, yeah emailed to her bo- to her wasn't it but it was meant to be yeah she's like yeah. I, I thought it should have been emailed to my boss but since I was in charge of this, this kind of pension thing I opened it and you know saw too much but like I'm thinking was it an accident or was it really emailed to her? Yeah. Maybe. So, obviously. And if it was, then who's, you know, like, who? Why would they, you know, an email is pretty hard to accidentally send these days. Yeah, I almost feel like person? that's... Maybe yeah. we'll find <laughs> out, yeah. but maybe we won't. Wink. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, then we're in Matt's apartment, um, and I, I, one of my notes in this, which, um, Vicky, who watched this with me, said it gave her a cinematography boner, was the fact that you have the, the big billboard, like the light streaming in the windows for, uh, Zining Airways, which is in, you know, obviously in China. Um, but the, it's a very organic, clever way to have the scene lit all the time, because it would be very easy to not have the scene lit in the fact that Matt is a blind character, doesn't have, you know, lights on it, obviously in his apartment, and lives right next to a construction site, which probably mm. doesn't have that much lights either. It, I thought it was a really clever way and a very organic way to get constant lighting, and I thought it looked beautiful the way it was lit. Yeah, not just... Me, oh, go ahead. Uh, go, no, go ahead, Ron. I was just saying, it reminded me of Blade Runner. Yeah, yes, I was yeah, going to yeah. say, that was my note. I was like, I wouldn't complain about living in this place. I want to live in Blade Runner world. <laughs> yeah, they also make it look like that light isn't so harsh, you know what I mean? It's actually kind of a nice way for them to be able to set the color tone in his apartment to the Daredevil color palette, you know? And yeah. so it's all lit in this sort of, like, crimsony, purpley kind of light. And I don't know, I, I just thought it was, like, a neat way to kind of make it feel like a comic book. And it also made me think, is that airline somehow connected? to one of the uh, bad people we meet in this episode. Is that part of the... Is that an Easter egg for, like, what? Potentially. Should I, should I, should I, I stop I, speaking now, then? No, I, no, I, I think it, it could be more as well that um, Marvel continuously uh, gears itself towards the market in China 
because it's um, where they make a lot of um, their box office, which is why they had um, in the, when they released um, Iron Man 3 in China, there was whole, whole scenes that weren't in the, the version that was released in um, the UK or in America that had a Chinese character in it. And they, they do that because they, they do kind of do that more. So I thought maybe it was a way of doing that. I, I don't know, because it could be a link to the characters later, but I get the feeling it's more to do with that. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know. It's very Blade Runner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's to make it look like Blade Runner. I don't know. <laughs> His apartment just reminded me of a Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, I love I love lighting in in a room around Christmas time when you have your Christmas tree on. <laughs> all those colors on the wall. And yeah, very... and, and his whole family is very adamant about not using white lights and always multicolored. <laughs> Flashing. I actually, I actually have Christmas lights up on my entertainment center all year round because of the same yeah. thing. <laughs> I like it's like mood lighting. Yeah. I thought the whole the rain falling and the colors coming in through the windows really added to both the you know the emotional uh, exchange. You know Matt talking about uh, when he lost his sight, but also then into the you know, that final uh, you know interrogation of Karen of you know tell me tell me the truth here. So and then she still lies, and he's like, "Well, it was just a thought." Like it was almost like I'm not going to yell at you for this yet. Let me just save your ass again a couple times, and then you'll realize you could trust me. It's cool. <laughs> I know. How- so good though. Does anyone yeah. know if your heart actually beats faster when you're lying though? Well, that's part of what a lie detector test would always mm-hmm. check for, and that's why. Yeah, but lie detector so, tests are not. Accurate. Well, yeah, for exactly all the things Matt said earlier, that's why they're not like admissible in court anymore. So, they, I mean, he is going to have to be fooled by this at some point and need to adjust his. I think this for me as character right. development so, would be he has to trip up with this and somehow realizes. Well, to he was fooled by it at the beginning of the episode when it's introduced because technically she wasn't lying; she didn't kill him. But she didn't, you know, if he asked her point blank, like, you know, does does this have anything to do with something you're holding back from us? You know, then he would have been like, oh, okay, now she's lying. <laughs> um, Are we going to run across any pacemakers in this series, I wonder? <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> um, I love the fact that with him listening to a heartbeat in this scene, the audience and Matt know that Karen is lying about still having evidence. Yeah. But Karen doesn't know. Of- yeah, there's going to be a lot of liar, liar, pants on fire in this yeah. series. He should just say that, pants on yeah. fire. <laughs> I hope that comes up. Um, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Because that's the sort of level of sophistication he's working with, you know. <laughs> exactly. like just, it would work really well for the character. Yeah, he should, he should accuse them in a, in a runaround way, like, are your, are your legs warm right now? <laughs> no, no, he's skipping ahead when he re- rescues the kidnapped kid. He's going to ask him pointed questions, and the kid's going to lie to him, and he's going to say, liar, liar, <laughs> pants on fire. <laughs> That's how he rescues him. I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> but when you said that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, if you're... I'm guessing that he will. Yeah, yeah. In the next <laughs> scene, we meet... Uh, oh, sorry, Dave, go on. Go on. No, 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 I was saying I'm holding back things from the trailers. <laughs> In the next scene, we're at a union... Um, uh, uh, what is they called? Union, union, union oh, Allied. Union Allied. I can't speak. Union Allied construction uh, site where there is a meeting. So I'm going to go Allied through. Allied and Allied. They say they call themselves the Access uh, Union. <laughs> I'm going to go through the players here. I will say some names because it will be easier going ahead and it's not spoilers because then you'll know the names. So obviously Wesley shows up. Um, the other people there are Mr. Nobu, who is the Japanese gentleman. 
The, the elderly Chinese woman is Madame Gao. The two Russians are Vladimir and Anatoly, now brothers. And the, uh, the sort of elderly white gentleman is Leland Owsley. The warden from Shawshank. The warden from Shawshank. And I love Leland's attitude. Known in the comics as the Owl, is all I'll say. So are all these oh, in the comics? Uh, uh, no, not all of them. Okay. I didn't know any of these people were, and I thought this scene did a poor job of telling me who they were. Well, I don't a lot think of the, you're supposed to know who they are yet. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the introductions were not, like, pointed straight out at you, which I, I guess I don't mind, but it's just I don't know well, I all the characters yet. It's, it wasn't just that I didn't know the characters. I didn't know what they all wanted and who, like, what they were trying to do. See, I thought that that carried forward with your whole concept of respecting the audience's intelligence from earlier, though, because I was just watching it going, this is fucking awesome. I love watching bad guys talk about shit like this. Like, we're having a real business meeting, but I don't want to meet where it's cold next time. Let's meet downstairs where we can have warm coffee. Like, one of them is actually complaining about the creature comforts of where they have to have a secret crime <laughs> syndicate meeting. And it's yeah. like, dude, you guys worry on a whole different level than we do, and that is fucking great to watch. I just yeah. love Leland. He's just so smug and so awesome, so awesome. Superheroes are great, you know. Uh, Our margins go up by three percent every time one of these guys punches someone through a wall. This is incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the guy with the scar design? Is that Vladimir? That's Vladimir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like him. He's got like a little pumpkin head. (laughs) (laughs) Totally (laughs) done. And Wesley, um, Wesley mentions his employer who ha- does not show up, has not showed up to the meeting, which they're all a bit annoyed Everyone about. pissed about mm-hmm. that, yeah. And he apologizes, his employer has apologized specifically to Madame Gao, which is interesting. Yeah, I wanted to know what Madame Gao was saying, but I did like the fact that, they're, like, Leo nope. was like, what is she saying, Nobu? And he's like, the other guy's like, he's Japanese. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought, you know, no, you too. <laughs> it was so, like, 80s corporate America racist. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. But you guys kind of look alike, I guess. Don't you talk the same? Like, dude, you might want to chill with that. You might want to dial that back. <laughs> he, did, he didn't say the guy was Japanese. He said the guy was Japanese. Which I was like, Japanese? What? He pronounced it really weird. And I was like, what? Japanese? What? What are you saying? He's your penis. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's your penis. What? Um, they also in this scene mention Mr. Prohaska. They're yeah, negotiating with him. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's all uh, about. I know you know. <laughs> I know. Uh, in Robbie. the next scene, Karen, um, again being kind of industri- industrious, but maybe not very wise, sneaks out of her apartment uh, to go and get the USB that she has got, and she's hidden in the ceiling, and Matt obviously follows. And this is uh, when uh, Mr. Rantz attacks, and he and uh, Rantz and Matt have the big fight. This is the, um, the footage that they showed at New York Comic Con last year. The fight choreography is amazing. This was the most Jason Bourne thing since Jason Bourne for a Marvel movie, I think. I mean, they were the way he did the wall run in the oh, corner. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Sick. Absolutely sick. When they land on the scaffolding, me and Vicky yeah. actually both went, oh, because that oh, really looked like it hurt. If they landed on the scaffolding, then Matt fell further to the ground afterwards. Yeah. And, like, oh. had blood all over the ground dripping out of his mouth. It was just like, dude, we actually see him get hurt, like, which maybe for the first episode of a show like this, you usually wouldn't see somebody actually take this much damage. So, so who, is, who is he fighting here? What's He's fighting uh, Rance, who is the guy who was on the screen earlier that waved at the camera. 
So he's like a hired hitman that Wesley has right. hired. I thought, I, thought, I thought this guy was Turk, and then I remembered this guy gets killed. <laughs> so who was Turk? Turk was the guy in the first scene who um, had the fight with uh, with Matt, who was basically had the like little shock stick thing and was shocking the uh, the women into the container. Oh, okay. the guy who was going to give them the bucket. Yeah, All right, and if they were get good. the gun at the end. Yes. Yeah, okay. such a nice guy. A nice guy. <laughs> Lovely, he's a sweetheart. I forgot to I forgot to mention Claire. Like he is not at all as humorous as he is in the comics. No. I was like, wow, this is evil Turk. Yeah, he's an evil Turk in this. Um, did you guys actually one of one saying what Dave was saying? One of my notes about the show in general is I love the fact that in this, not only Matt in the show, but also the people he's fighting, they get tired. I love that. Mm. Because it's it's so realistic because you would get tired. And particularly in a upcoming fight sequence, I won't say which episode, I think is really effective. It's Two one of my things. favorite things about it. One is that I didn't even realize it at first, but on the second time through, like I kind of caught it, but the second time through, I really saw it. He doesn't land every punch at mm-hmm. all, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, at first, I thought that was like a pro, like oh geez, they really kind of screwed up with shooting these fights. But then it's like no, he actually maybe as much as this is their first client, this might be the first real effort he's put into doing this, where it's like he's still kind of getting his his legs under him as far as. Can he really fight these people with mm-hmm. weapons and guns and stuff? I mean, you're right, dodging bullets. Yeah. You're right. Well, that's, yeah. So he's hitting somebody at his level, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? or at least at the level that we have to assume that Murdoch has done some training to be able to become this Batman-esque mm-hmm. without sight. So Yeah, if he's having cool. trouble with this with this dude, he's going to have a rough time playing with the big superheroes if he ever does. Yeah. Do you think uh, Black Widow could take this guy? She could uh, take him in the bedroom because in the comics they Ooh. were living in sin what? for a few years in San Francisco. They were they oh, were they were lovers for quite a few years and partners. So yeah. But no, no, I'm not talking about Daredevil. I'm I th- if oh this guy she could beat, she could beat this. Yeah, this she's guy. Black Widow. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So she, you think she's better than Daredevil? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can just imagine that being some very acrobatic lovemaking that they would do, though, oh, these two. Yeah. It's probably like they're actually running around on walls and shit and jumping from the ceiling. And, and they accidentally go out the window. Yeah. <laughs> we saw the aftermath of like Matt and Electra's lovemaking and Man Without Fear, so it was like, whoa. Um, what did you guys think of like the flashback in the middle of the scene for when little Matt was waiting for Jack and Jack comes in and his, I mean, you don't see all of it, but his face is really messed up. It's like, whoa. Oh, oh, I could- all I could think about is, does Claire think this is acceptable face touching? I did think it was acceptable because it's not going, oh, take my photograph, or this is what I look like. It's, look, my face is, like, really messed up, and I don't want this to be your future. So I thought it was acceptable. Yeah, it wasn't exactly needed, I guess. Um, uh, but, you know, it did kind of have the uh, get up mat, you know. Mm-hmm. One more round, Rock. One yeah. more round. <laughs> um... Rance and Matt obviously continue fighting, and this is, again, Comic-Con footage, and Matt hears the chain. Uh, I love the bit where Rance drops the knife and then catches it with the other hand and then, like, slices through the air, through the rain. Heard him catch it in the other hand. Like, yeah. see, this, it yes. really solidified his hearing things and being able to respond to them, which I thought really kind of pushed into. I, I don't need a CG representation of this. I get it. Yeah. I'm down. This guy's a badass. We're good. 
when you see my, it tilt um, his head like a dog, it, it's good enough. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and Charlie Cox has spoken about how it's kind of hard, and it would be for any actor playing Daredevil because obviously he, like I said, said before, he doesn't have to look in the direction of something, but he has to indicate somehow to the audience that that's what he's focusing on. So it's just that kind of little tilt. To show that yeah, I like in the, in the first scene, in the first scene he's always aware of the gun by it always had to cock before it fired. But it, like if there was a gun that fired that had already been or somebody's going to fire at him and the gun had already been cocked previously or didn't need to be cocked, mm-hmm. would he be able to dodge the bullet? Like Do you, you mean like could he hear the barrel turning? Yeah, or, so, or like the, the, the if, pulling if, trigger. Even if he's only hearing that, how is that? If he's not superhuman fast, how is that enough time to dot? You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things where I'm like, look, we're talking nanoseconds here, and those bullets fly faster than sound sometimes, bro. You, I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's got to have some other way to, to develop that. I mean, that, that was one of the things what Ben Affleck would do with, like, hit, like, some kind of metal object in the room in the movie they did mm-hmm. so that he could, like, find people when they're being quiet. I'm interested to see how they're going to handle that sort of level of him using his abilities as we go forward. But mm-hmm. this fight scene was awesome. It was I mean, maybe his uh maybe his red armor later on it has like body armor in it because maybe he gets shot in his like spandex outfit. <laughs> he realizes he needs to step up his suit game. Yeah. I will say, Dave, much as you love this fight sequence, this is not the best fight sequence you will see in even the first two episodes. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, seriously. I would hope that he could keep getting better, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I'd like to see some actual addressing of how he uses the sound and these skills together because obviously the fights will have to get more complicated and there will be people with bigger, badder weapons than just a switchblade, you know, mm-hmm. so... And the soundtrack of the scene again, the pitter-patter-pitter-patter-patter-patter. Yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop. I love it. I, want <laughs> I it. really, really, really hope they release the score for this show because I love the music that they, yeah. they've done in it. I think it's... I, I love it. Yeah. Um, I love... One of the, my notes as well for the rest of this scene when... Because um, obviously he grabs the USB off of the guy and Karen's watching... I, I love the fact that he doesn't do a Batman and he doesn't do a Batman voice. You know, when he's talking to Karen, he's not like, we'll go to the police together. He just talks <laughs> in his normal voice. I, yeah. I love that because that also, really wound me up. <laughs> thank God for the invention of the USB because we would have no way for files to be mm-hmm. stolen in the digital age. Like, hey, where'd you hide that? Um, on the server that the emails are on, by the way. It's probably <laughs> someplace you could also find this. And like, but no, it's only on this USB stick. We have to go fight over it right now. Yeah, and the the following. Oh, sorry, go on there. Sorry, I, f- I forgot to mention this fight. Kind of con- confused me in a way because I feel like he should know how to do a fast takedown of a person, of one person. Like you know, he was able to beat up all these guys earlier, and this one guy he's struggling with, and I just didn't understand why he couldn't do the fast takedown. Mm. I, it just baffled me. I guess this guy's skill was just better. I didn't. I know it just doesn't make sense to me. It, <laughs> They even say, like, like later in the conversation in the limo, that Rance was a trained professional. How was he taken down? Whereas the guys in the pier, those are just thugs that are hired to steal, steal women from clubs. <laughs> you know, this guy it's, is tough. Maybe it's partially because the when there are action scenes, they are sped up. So it makes it seem like he's so, like, you know, superhuman, mm-hmm. uh, 
like speed and you know like he's just so good and it just doesn't really uh it's not realistic i guess maybe well i think i think there's a fight scene coming up that you will enjoy for that reason oh okay this guy this guy is probably like kind of like uh that ufc fighter who was in captain america too who should stand no chance against captain america (laughs) that's very well well actually the guy <laughs> the guy who was um, Chris Evans' stunt double, I believe, in Winter Soldier, was I believe it was him. In, it was was Chris Brewster who is um, Charlie Cox's stunt double in Daredevil. Oh, nice! Yeah, but uh, I find that Daredevil does a lot of crouch fighting in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Talk down, and then he like he fights from his knees a lot. He's <laughs> <laughs> so tiny and fight. Well, yeah. <laughs> he also well, just gives himself a bigger target right in front of him, I guess, so that he could have more chance of hitting something when he's throwing blind, literally blind punches. Yeah. Sorry, I want him to jump on somebody's shoulder, you know, like the little devil angel kind of thing. Like, <laughs> and then I just want him to throw punches at people's face. <laughs> I call this move the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> he jumps up on his shoulder, then he's like, he whispers in the air, you should stop being bad. And then he starts <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, Matt trained in a uh, in a boxing gym. I mean, he the first thing he knows is head body, head body, head body, yeah. head body. Yeah. I was while he was crouched all those times. I kept waiting for a signature move from the comics. Where he I just, know from Johnny Cage. Oh, really? <laughs> in the next That's scene, his signature move. In, in Man Without Fear, it is. It's like every issue he does. It. Um, mm. In the next scene, we get one of the kind of tragedies of the series is that this newspaper office where they drop rants off that with the evidence should have been the Daily Bugle because mm. in Daredevil the movie they had the New York Post where Ben Urich worked in this it's the New York Bulletin it should be the Daily Bugle because that is the 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 paper in Marvel but at this point when they were filming Daredevil they Marvel weren't as friendly as they are with Sony now with the whole Spider-Man deal. So maybe they could use the bugle going ahead. I don't know, but it kind of makes me go, oh, it should be the bugle. Ah." I bet season two, somehow the bugle will acquire this smaller newspaper (laughs) in the city. And this will be the New York branch of the Daily Bugle. Daily Planet, WTF. (laughs) (laughs) Parker, someone left a body on the front steps. Go down and check it out. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love to hear J.J. and Jameson. Oh, my God. With J.K. Um, Simmons playing him. Which oh, it has to be. No one else can play him. It's J.K. Yeah. J. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. Um, so we get Wesley in the limo, and he's talking to Vincent D'Onofrio's disembodied voice. Yeah, talk about bringing it home to New York. You get a real New York actor for yeah. the campaign. yeah. Yeah, which is great. Oh, I love it. Um, the next scene may be my favorite scene in the entire episode because I love, I love any banter between Matt Foggy and Karen. And the, and my favorite shot from the trailer, <laughs> which I was, I was um, saying when we reviewed it, is the shot of the little um, sign on the door written in pen. I, it just yeah. makes my heart sing. I'm like, oh. See, and now, I, am wearing, I am wearing my Nelson and Murdoch t-shirt today, by the way. <laughs> these are the scenes that take me out of the show, where they're going, oh, really? like, all right, well, well, I can't, no, I mean, like, I like the banter, and I think it's funny, but when they're like, well, I, I can't really pay you guys, but I made my grandma's famous lasagna, and <laughs> I can work for you for free, and I'm like, okay, so none of you have to buy food, none of you pay any bills, how the hell is this happening? You can't be lawyers if you're not making <laughs> any money, you yeah. can't work for free if you're not making, so, like, the adult in me rages when I see scenes like this because I'm like this is fucking bullshit and this is why kids are growing up thinking shit's just going to be handed to them they do address it Dave 
they do address okay. it. Come on! I, I'm suspending my disbelief enough as it is. Now I'm just pissed whenever I have to go pay a bill because of this shit. Because of this. Oh. <laughs> you should say Sorry. that. You should when you're paying your bills. You should be like, "This is all because of Daniel." Ah! <laughs> Damn it! Your daddy doesn't have to do this. Why do I? <laughs> that guy can live in his awesome apartment. He doesn't even have to pay any money. This is bullshit. Karen does say as well that she promised she would only serve this lasagna to her future husband. Oh, it's yeah, one of them. One of them two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Ambiguously too good. She also serves it to Matt first, so... Wow. Oh. Uh, the oh, next scene is in Fogwell's gym, which is also straight from the comics, and I've written, yay, boxing! Because I, I do boxing. I love boxing. It's my favourite way of keeping fit. Uh, Charlie Cox does awesome boxing in this scene, and I was like, oh, this is really hot. He's on um, too. We yeah. also see a poster on the wall which says Creel versus Murdoch. Is he is his boxing as good as Chris Isaac in Firewalk with me? It's better. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Isaac's boxing is far more hilarious, but also that was really hot good. because Chris Isaac's was... wearing a white beer and it's really hot. <laughs> and he bar right afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing about boxing. I'm like, oh yes, get to your swoon in. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love, to, I'd love to see him go to the gym with Captain America at some point. And that, if that happens, I will, I will die of, ha- of, I will die of joy. I will explode into red, white, and blue glitter. Your nerdgasm will be seen from space. Stop destroying every bag. <laughs> if we also get a scene at some point in the future, and this did happen in the comics, where Captain America attacks Daredevil by firing a, a, a confetti cannon at him. I will die of happiness. The fact that Captain America owns a confetti cannon fills me with joy. So was that to, fo- to foil Daredevil's senses or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically, they don't call it confetti in it. I can't remember what they call it, but it's basically yeah. confetti. Yeah, like chalice. Right? I might post so, a um, still of it on the group. So does everybody know he's blind in the in the uh, comics? Um, oh. Presently they do. Presently. <laughs> okay, because I, I heard... Because I read something, something described about a recent comic where like Hawkeye shot a flash bang at Daredevil, like, oh, yeah. and and like it, there's a delayed reaction from Daredevil. It's like, uh, ah, my eye. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is a, a flashback earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> can we talk? Can we talk about the Godfather scene where everybody's either like doing awesome crime oh, or I'll getting killed? I'll go through it. I'll go through it. <laughs> this is the big montage at the end where we see basically what a lot of our players are up to. So we see that Leland is working on the figures and transferring funds. My um, favorite. He's just sitting there smiling. I know. He's so happy. He's like, hey. Oh, this guy. <laughs> but now we open a prison in upstate New York and call it Shawshank. <laughs> oh, that'd be so amazing. <laughs> Farnham finds her dad, and he uh, Farnham's uh, daughter, sorry, finds her dad has shot himself, which is really sad. Or maybe someone shot him and made it look like suicide. Wait, now, was there a letter in his blood on the wall? I feel like oh. both times it looked like there was the letter A or something like. I don't know. I didn't notice. Yes, I don't know. I'll have to have another look. I'll make a note. Uh, Rance has hung himself in his cell, or maybe he was strangled and it was made to look like a hanging, which is what they were going to do to Karen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do it to a little girl, but they do it to a trained <laughs> assassin. Well, That's it was fun. Farnham that tried to do it, and he was a bit... Right, right, yeah, no, I didn't, they, they sent somebody better this time. It's then funny, we, because Rance, Rance nearly gets hung it, when we last see him, too. Yeah, he's like, oh, damn it. Like, <laughs> what, did they just kill the guy? 
Oh no, he's on the Then we see Madame Yao is over, overseeing uh, what looks like heroin being sorted and stamped by a load of blind workers. And they're not just blind, yeah. they're like uh, Slumdog Millionaire blinded blind, mm-hmm. you know. Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. It was really creepy. I was like, oh god. This Madame Yao is, is a pretty creepy character. Needs to oh, go. Madame Yao, yeah, Madame Yao. <laughs> <laughs> Nobu is looking at plans for Hell's Kitchen, and it looks like they have something planned to construct under the city when it's rebuilt. I thought it was the same stamp that was on the heroin packets that it was yeah, being... I didn't get that it was under the city. I just saw characters in Japanese, it, it I guess. It might be under the city. He puts a, a map down of a, a structure, and then he puts a map of Hell's Kitchen over the top. So it looks mm. like it goes under. Yeah, that's just what I, I thought from it. Uh, we see Turk buying a new gun that he's very happy about. Idiots. <laughs> 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 that's we what got you kicked last time, idiot. Come on. <laughs> Turk, Turk is an idiot in the comics. <laughs> uh, and then we see a van... Um, uh, with a, a dad and a small boy and Vladimir and Anatoly kidnap the small boy and take him away. Oh. And this Matt, Matt stands on the roof and overhears the, uh, the little boy screaming and pulls down his mask. And that's the end of the episode. A friend of ours said she she's not going to watch the rest of the series because of that scene. That scene really? came out of nowhere for me and I was yeah. like, whoa! Now I'm never having kids. This is bullshit. Well, she's, a, yeah. she's a brand new parent and she's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, because that was, I mean, the real horror of like the guy just what sitting in his car with his kid and mm-hmm. the mob comes up to, sh- to like kidnap your kid what are they obviously they're going to sell that kid overseas you know like that was crazy right there yeah it's funny because like in the last episode I was really hoping I was like Kingpin can like do lots of evil things but I'm really hoping he doesn't get into child prostitution now, <laughs> I don't know if there's prostitution involved here but like at the beginning of the episode they, they steal like they're throwing uh, women in cargo containers I was like well at least it's scary as hell but at least it's not kids and at least the end of the episode <laughs> at least it's teenage chicks who should have been clubbing that's a uh, morality tale you know scary them <laughs> doing that shit right there I'm just like oh god yeah, well, I guess kids. they're doing <laughs> the kid was crazy, especially because like, the guys are kicking the crap out of the dad. Like yeah. he's just being beaten senseless until the kid is in the van and driving away. That I was just like, and as a father, I'm like, I can't imagine being that beaten up to not get back up again and try to stop. But you know, yeah. of course, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the shocks, but it was very like this guy had no chance. You know, it was like the second he was grabbed, it was over. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you guys notice the, um, obviously Matt is wearing his black costume here, but did you notice that he has red piping on the yes, shoulders? Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Why? I thought it was cracks on in the costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just what's his under, blood. What's underneath? And also his mask kind of bothered me because it looked too much like Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to have a sword and like write, you know, like D in, in the wall. He's going to ride in on a horse. <laughs> Speaking of weapons, he used no sticks. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't. use anything. Well, he used the sort of yeah. laser thing um, at the start, and he kind of threw that almost like a he was almost, billy club. It was like uh, he would just pick up whatever was around, which is why I felt like it was very Jason Bourne-ish. Like, it's like, all right, I'll use this, and I'll very throw you a little... Yeah. time. <laughs> so, I have some Easter eggs for this episode, guys. Um, nothing for Delicious. spoilers for later on. I'm glad it's so close to Easter, so you can eat these Easter eggs. They were very cheap, obviously. They were on discount, because it's after Easter. <laughs> Are they Kinder Surprise Eggs? <laughs> They're actually going to give you food poisoning if you eat them, so let's yeah. just be figurative with all of this. <laughs> uh, 
so you don't actually see it in the episode, but you could see it in the um, some of the uh, photos that were released um, before the show was released. In the, at the very start, where Matt is blinded, the truck that's containing the chemicals has a stamp on the side of it, which is from Rand Industries, I believe, R-A-N-D. Rand is Danny Rand's surname, a.k.a. Iron Fist, whose mm. family... Uh, his father was a billionaire, so obviously owned yeah. this company. So Iron Fist blinded Matt Murdock. Oh, no. Yeah. Have That's going to be awkward now. later. <laughs> <laughs> um, the scene, which is the fight on the pier. Oh, I should say as well, I got a lot of these from Den of, Den of Geek and comicbookmovies.com, where a lot of people notice these. This isn't all stuff that I noticed. Uh, the fight on the pier with Turk is uh, kind of reminiscent of issue number 159 of Daredevil, which was the second issue that Frank Miller did as an artist, in which Daredevil fights uh, Turk on a pier. So it's kind of maybe a nod to that. Um, when the office that Nelson and Murdoch move into, there's they put their little sign on the door, but you can see there's lettering under the sign of the name that was obviously there before, and it says Van Lunt. And in the comics, Cornelius Van Lunt was a villain known as Taurus. <laughs> So that's quite cool. He was a villain obsessed <laughs> with astrology. So yeah. he's, he's like he's like Marvel's he's like Marvel's calendar man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the what else? The uh, priest at the start. I said that his name is Father Lantum. Uh, Father Lantum in comics appeared in the comics uh, series The Runaways and also has links with the uh, the characters Cloak and Dagger which is cool. Uh, Mr. Rigoletto is obviously Kingpin's predecessor in Man Without Fear. And Wesley, I couldn't remember when he appeared, but apparently someone said it was in issue uh, 227, which was part of the Born Again arc. So that's when he appeared in the comics. And those are your Easter eggs for this week. No more, otherwise you'll get I can't wait till he falls in love with kidnapped Karen. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Yeah, why was he called Wesley in, in, like, Trial of Incredible Why was he... You know, Edgar. It's weird. I don't know. Um, so now it is time for quotes. Who's going to go first? I only have one. Okay. Go. Then the man go. is Japanese. Japanese? What? Japanese? Japanese. I have quite a long one, and this is probably my favorite That's what she exchange. Said. I know. I have a Ooh. very long one, guys. Get a long Japanese. <laughs> yes, it's so long. Um, it's so small. This is probably my favorite exchange in the entire episode. So um, it's a, a couple of characters talking. So, how long have you been practicing law? What time is it? It's twelve twenty-two a.m. About seven hours. Well, if you go from when we passed the bar, I was going from when we got our own desks. Oh, then yeah, seven hours. I love that exchange. It's so great. That, I would go with a more impressive number. <laughs> that right there, though, had one of the best little moments of business, which we kind of gleaned over, was when he asks Foggy what time it is, and then he starts to check like as if he has a watch right. also. Well, he has but a Braille watch. He oh, is that what he, he does yeah. have a Braille watch? Okay, yeah, because he right, goes well. to feel it, but obviously... Yeah, I didn't realize. I thought, I, thought he was, I thought he was doing that to make her more comfortable, like, you know, kind of, like, humor it up, break the ice, like, come on, we're okay, we're not going to kill you. But I, wish, I wish he had a watch that would tell him the time by the press of a button, so he would he would say, he would he would ask it what time it would be, and then he'd press a button, and it'd be, the time is 12.31. <laughs> I think well, has to say, hi, Matt, the time is this. Yes. And it should be the voice of also, Scarface I love from you. Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? 
That would be like, but like, what's his name should give him that technology later down the road. Yeah. You hear us, showrunners? You hear this gold that's being dripped all over <laughs> our podcast? Like Sorry, Matt, what were you going to say? I, I said it should also tell him uh, tell him that it loves him. Oh, the time, the is, time is this. And, and I, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other quotes? Yes. Oh. Uh, I mean, just from that same scene, I I, I love. I was I was immediately like, okay, uh, Karen Karen goes, uh, you know, who are you or something like that, and and uh, Matt goes, I'm Matt. He's Foggy, and I don't know. I just when I just heard that quote, I was like, yes, you guys are, and this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when he when he came in and said, I'm Matt Murdock, and this is Frank like Foggy Nelson, I just was like. Oh! Yeah. I liked the line in the confession when he said that, uh, you know, my father's uh, technique when he was outmatched was just stand there and let the other guy hit him until he broke his hands. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's like, I know my place and this is yeah. all I can do. Uh, so I thought that was like one of those deep moments uh, for that scene. And then I also liked the detective was like, I don't care if you're blind. You take that tone with me again, I'm going to kick your ass. And then Foggy's <laughs> like, really? We're going there? Okay. Yeah. Gotta, dude, it's 2015. You guys can't talk to us like that anymore. Like, what, did the guy just lean in your ear and tell you to say that shit to us? Like, what was that? You know, it was very immature on the detective's part. It reminded me also of Better Call Saul, the sort of cool attitude. Oh, yeah. you've got it, to watch it. Yeah, Better I Call. need to see it. But yeah, I, I, love, I love that bit as well. It's just like, I love really? that Foggy's just like, really? Come on. We're going there? <laughs> We're going there. Okay. You guys um, just don't shit. Whatever. I love this line because it really does sum up the relationship between Matt and Foggy, which is, if there's a stunning woman with questionable character in the room, Matt Murdock's going to find her and Foggy Nelson is going to suffer. I was like, yes, yes that's true. <laughs> he as well knows his role. I have another and, one. Oh, go on. Kidding, NSA, if you're listening. But seriously, <laughs> I got to go bribe a cop. <laughs> I thought the line that Leland says later uh, is kind of telling for, I like the whole, how it links in with what we were saying about, you know, with the Avengers and everything, which is heroes and their consequences are why we have our current opportunities. Yeah. And from yeah. the same he says, can you at least pretend to be cold? It's unsettling. Yeah. And he's like, we should be celebrating. Every time one of these guys punches someone else through a wall, our, our margins go up 3%. It was that really grounded it in reality for me. I'm like, this is going on, guys. If this shit ever happens, if buildings are being destroyed by superheroes, there's going to be these business opportunities for like crime syndicates everywhere. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, should we score it? I have another one. Go on. You said you cried at, at the beginning of the episode, but I gotta <laughs> say, as cliche as it might have sounded, I started to kind of sob when Matt says, I'd give anything to see the sky one more time. Wow. I kind I of like, rinsed oh. at that. I was a bit like, oh. It worked on me. Robin, <laughs> <laughs> you like the cheese. I <laughs> love the cheese. <laughs> Tasty cheese. Tasty <laughs> cheese. Okay. Yeah, so well, Rob, just watching that scene, and then he's like, randomly, um, num, 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 num. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he, he feeds off the emotions. Yeah. I'd like to see the it's, sun one more time. Um, num, num, num. It's like, yeah. It's like a cheesy hot dog between two puns. Oh, oh wow. That's almost as bad as telling the victims, hey, I'm getting $1,000 a head for y'all. I'm like, yeah, that's going to calm them down, chief. That's really good. Like, you really suck at this. You should be happy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're worth the grand? Come on now. I have one last quote, just because I love the way it was delivered. We don't say his name. Mm -hmm. mm. Dave, you're our special guest. What would you like uh, to rate into the room? 
Letter grades, I'm giving it an A. This is no, this we is don't do letter in. grades. We need numbers out of ten. Numbers yes. out of ten? Yes. Then I'm going to give it a nine. It's going to be like an A grade for me is anywhere from 8.5 to 9.5. I'm giving it a nine um, because I can only imagine there's going to be stuff down the road that I'm, is going to be so much better that I'm like, well, shit, that diminishes the ten I was going to give the pilot. So I'm going to keep it at a nine so I have room for improvement later down the road. Um, Mel? Um, I'm going to give it a high... Seven out of ten. Uh, burst eyeballs. <laughs> just because I don't know if it was just because I was in uh, kind of a weird mood yesterday or what, but I just couldn't get into the episode, and I really wanted to. And th- but there was some bits about it that I really loved. Like I said, I really love Karen Page. She's like she's my favorite so far. Um, but yeah, like the just the any dialogue scenes, I just couldn't couldn't listen to them talk. I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <coughs> I know we'll probably find out eventually, but I was just, I couldn't get into your it. opinion of the episode kept going up and down and up and down and yeah, up and down. Yeah, like my notes just kept going like I like this, I don't like that, I like this, I don't like that. <laughs> so it was very fifty fifty for me, but okay. eh, we'll see where it goes. I, I have uh, I have hopes. Um, yeah. I really liked it. It was a good uh, introduction. It was better than the Daredevil movie, and I don't even have a problem with the Daredevil movie that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Really? Hope- really? Yeah. I guess we talked about it already, yeah. but... <laughs> um, I'm just thinking with that playground scene. <laughs> oh, yeah, that scene sucks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like this for the most part. Uh, I'm going to give it a 8.5 out of 10 crouch fights. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Robin? I love this episode, guys. This freaking series is on. I am so excited. Of course you do. Come on. You'd say it as if I'm, like, predictable or something, but come on. You're a super fan, Robin. I expected you and Claire to love There are some things that I am not a super fan about, and I don't podcast about them. That's the thing. Um, Yeah, dude. Uh, from the cinematography to the acting, yeah. just seeing this freaking uh, uh, comic realized on screen and just being like, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> just <laughs> every scene. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to like counter any of your points, but I, I love the dialogue-heavy script uh, scenes. I, I loved how complex this thing was getting uh, it, for being a superhero show and how violent it was. I was like, yes, thank you. We're adults here. We're, we're enjoying something. And uh, yeah. I could fucking uh, I I'm, I'm not feeling pressure to be like well it could get better later I don't know so my points my point system is going to uh, you know take that into account now I love this episode I watched it three times and I was happy about it ten out of ten sandwich eating thugs <laughs> I want to amend mine to Owlsley orations how about that I forgot to add it unless hey. I'm my nine out of ten <laughs> um, and I um, there are this isn't really a spoiler but there are episodes that I like less than this one there are episodes that I like more than this one um, I think this is a really strong opener I I loved it um, I think I would have enjoyed it anyway because it is my favourite character obviously I like Mel saying I am a super fan um, but I had worries about how it would come across obviously as an adaption of my favourite character um, but I, I I thought it was such a strong opener I think the directing was incredible I think the performances all around were really impressive particularly Charlie Cox um, Elton Henson and Deborah Ann Wall um, 
I yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm going to give it nine out of ten because there are episodes I pref- I love more. Uh, nine out of ten. Twenty-eight thousand nine hundred fifty-seven dollars owed to Rigoletto. Wow, <laughs> nice. <laughs> that gives oh, a, uh, average score of eight point seven. Awesome. No, you have to you have to count in that dollar amount too because that just confused it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the score. I give like, it oh. like twenty-eight thousand out of ten. <laughs> um, minutes, <laughs> minutes of <a> year. <laughs> well, rent is set in New York. It would yeah, be let's slow burn on that one. Slow burn. <laughs> um, we do have two uh, bits of feedback this week, Robin. I have emailed them to you. Are you okay to play them, or do I need to? I can do it if you like. Um, okay. Um, this one is from. This is our. Um, First uh, Daredevil series feedback is from um, Moira Doc Brown. Let's see if it loads on my phone. (laughs) It does say it's loading. Okay, here we go. So I watched Into the Ring, which is, of course, the pilot episode of this new Netflix Daredevil series. True confessions, I knew absolutely nothing about Daredevil before I watched this. And I mean nothing. Um, Only because I know Claire. I know... Daredevil exists. <laughs> but, but that was about it. So, just general impressions. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was well shot. Um, the opening sequence got, you know, grabbed me right away uh, with the women that were about to be, you know, shipped off as uh, cargo. Um, and I'm really glad that they're keeping uh, Miss Page around because about halfway through, honestly, I was thinking to myself, oh, this actress is quite good. Oh, it's too bad. You know, she's just she's just in the, uh, you know, the character of the week. It's too bad we're not going to see her again. And then, as luck would have it, I get my wish. And by the end, I realize, oh, my God, they're keeping her. So I was really pleased about that. I like the montage at the end. Um where we see scenes of all this criminal activity going on, hearing on. Uh, and I'd love it if you guys would uh, just go through that and kind of tease out what, what you interpreted from it. But can I assume that the three, four, four women who were saved at the beginning of this episode would have ended up being shipped off um, to become blinded, drug workers in this drug factory that we saw at the end. Is that what was going to happen to them? That is so serious that all those people have been made blind. Oh, this is so creepy. Anyway, just wanted to say, general first impressions are really positive, so I'll be most interested to see what you guys think, and I will, you know, quite happily follow along with you. Um, Oh, and as an aside, yeah, I looked up the actor who plays uh, Matt. And uh, I see he's a Brit, um, which is neat. There seems to be a trend of bringing these British actors over and getting them to adopt an American accent. He does it quite well. I, I wouldn't have had a clue that he's not an American. So that was that's just kind of neat. And I, I was amused by his partner's name, Foggy, his first name, just because all I could think was Foggy Bottom. And I kept thinking, what is Foggy Bottom? Why is that in my head? Then I realized it's a, it's a neighborhood in Washington, um, D.C., so... I don't know why that came from it. Why am I even telling you that? Other than I just kept thinking Foggy Bottom every time he said the name Foggy. Anyway, all right. Enough babbling from me. All right. Till next time. Bye. I think those women were headed for a different fate, and I, honestly, yeah. I, don't, I don't know which fate would be worse. And here's the other thing: they you saw in that 
blind factory that somebody was actually able to leave. They were walking out with their with their cane. It's almost like this is their day job, and maybe that's why they're being blinded so that they can't tell anybody where they're working. Uh, and weren't they know, all Chinese? Actually. Weren't they all Chinese? Yeah, they look. They seem to be all Asian. <laughs> they looked all Asian. Yeah. Uh, um. um. We've got another voicemail. Well, actually, I'll read uh, some comments from our Facebook group first. This is from Maggie, and she posted this on the Facebook group. Um, so thanks for this, Maggie. And she says, I really enjoyed the first episode. I enjoyed the Matt Foggy relationship. They have nice chemistry. It's the guy from the Mighty Ducks. I didn't recognize him in the promotional stills I've seen. I also really like Karen with both of them, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. I'm being good and stop with the first episode, mostly because I'm trying to finish a Game of Thrones re- rewatch. <laughs> Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> and obviously she was talking about Eldon Henson as Foggy from The Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Um, okay, and our last bit of feedback, I think, is, or is there more? Mm-hmm. No, this is the last That's one. it for the first episode? Come on, guys, right in. All right, here's, <laughs> uh, here's uh, Michaela. Hi, guys, it's Michaela calling. So I just watched the first episode of Daredevil, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed uh, the Matt and Foggy and Karen team. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, it didn't feel too CW to me, so that was nice. You know, there was a shirt taken off. She's used to doing that, I'm sure, though, from True Blood. Anyway, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the tone of it. Uh, the acting was good. The little kid in the beginning, I can't see, I can't see. Um, and it looks like we have a good group of evil doers, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks, Michaela. Thanks, Michaela. Yay. Yeah. Thanks. I'm glad everyone's enjoying it. I do wonder what percentage of our listeners is, are actually waiting it out or if they're just going to go ahead and <laughs> watch it all. And yeah, then... I'd be interested. Yeah. It would be cool to have sort of feedback from, from both, you know, like, obviously we don't want any spoilers for future episodes because we want to keep our newbies unspoiled. But it's there are stuff, obviously, that you guys have commented on that I'm kind of sitting here going, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm imagining it's the same for some of the listeners. Um, yeah, maybe let us know so, in your feedback, folks. Yeah, let us well, let's know if you're watching the whole thing or, you know, one a week. It would be cool to know. Um, so Dave, the person whose name we can say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on. And uh, where can uh, you be contacted or found or whatever? Well, thank, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I host a couple podcasts with some of our co-hosts here. Uh, Robin, you can hear him with us on the Walking Dead podcast, which just wrapped up uh, at the end of the season there. I'm going to be coming back with the Game of Thrones podcast. Uh, starts tonight, actually, the day we're recording this. And uh, so that should be out this week with, with uh, Jamie and Lindsay and Sean. I also do the TV Resurrection podcast, which is actually going to be resurrected soon and have new episodes, <laughs> just to let everybody know. Um, what else do I do? American Horror Cast, but that's off right now. And we're also going to be doing a lot of fun stuff at the C2E2 Comic Con and Entertainment Fest out in Chicago in a couple weeks. So be on the lookout for some new videos and interviews to be coming out of that. Awesome. And um, uh, do our hosts have anything they want to plug this week? No. <laughs> we all lead very boring lives. <laughs> I plug every, every week and you have to go soon. So, <laughs> If you would like to contact us um, like Michaela, Maggie and Moira did this week, which is cool that it's all M alliteration. It's very Matt Murdock. Um, you can contact us at the Facebook group by sending us a private message. Please only include um, spoilers for that week's episode. Um, put it 
put it, the episode title near the top if possible, that would be great. You can email us at defenderspod at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us like a text message or you can send an audio file like uh, Moira and Michaela did this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at defenderspod. So next week we will be covering episode two titled Cut Man. Uh, do you guys have any predictions? New supervillain. Yeah, cut man. Cut man. It's obviously what would cut man's powers be? He has a giant pair of scissors on his head that he throws at you because this is an actual character that already exists in the first Mega Man game. Really? Uh, (laughs) I thought he's just someone who runs around, cuts things out of wood and paper, and throws them at you as weapons, like a confetti, like Captain America. Is it Daredevil? I'm gonna put a, a picture of that on the website. <laughs> Here, I just Basically. put a, I just put a picture of Cutman in the uh, Skype chat. Oh, nice. I'm gonna have a look. Oh, go ahead, Dave. I say it's either that or he's gonna get so cut up that the Daredevil is actually just a cut man. The next episode. Mm. Or he could be like, you know, really snarky. He says a lot of cutting remarks, and Matt's gonna be like, "Hey," <laughs> and then goes, "Oh, burn!" Or, um, Cutman really Cut is adorable, but he looks like he has a propeller on his head, Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are some badly uh, drawn shears. <laughs> They're very blunt. <laughs> yeah, they don't have that blade. You know, the the extra line oh. for the blade. But seriously, I think we're gonna get some Jack flashbacks. That's more okay. Jack flashbacks. Well, we will find out next week. Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it, you can send it to your friends, you just can't make any money off of it. You can't change it, and you have to link back to us and our site. Excelsior!